a couple of years ago within this galaxy. Two nerds with a passion for comics, wrestling, movies, horror, and more, would unite and create The Amazing Nerd Show. The time has come, a tremble felt throughout the galaxy. The nerds have completed recording their knowledge onto Jedi Holocrons. Our nerds unite for their 124th voyage into nerdom. To fulfill the prophecy. For the enjoyment of the fans. For the love of all things Star Wars. The Force will be with you. Always. Buckle up, Flyboys, we're about to kick it into light speed. Welcome to the amazing nerd show. And. Welcome to Star Wars Month. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. Christian, we're finally here. It is the grand finale of our Star Wars Month. Woo! And we're going out Rogue One style in a blaze of glory. We're going to go ahead and we are going to rank all of Star Wars, TV and film. And, well, at least everything that we've seen. Because we didn't see that stupid Resistance show. I mean... I mean, I heard good things, kind of, but, you know, we, I don't know. It looked ridiculous to me. <laughs> it's going to be the next Clone Wars, and we just don't know. Yeah, it. I know, right? <laughs> no, I think it actually came to an end. So oh, I just, I've okay. never found any interesting. But anyway, <laughs> before we rank all of Star Wars, because it's going to be quite the undertaking, um, we actually have a lot of news to get into this week. But... There's too much show, so instead of being like Rise of Skywalker, we're going to go ahead and treat the news like the Castle Run, and we're hitting light speed. That's right, Damien. We're moving spice in under 13 parsecs. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, help further support the show by giving us a five-star review. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we are mere podcasters with opinions. First up, Mandalorian Season 2, cast Timothy Oliphant. Awesome casting, great actor. Um, I So, supposedly, um, he's going to be getting his hands on Boba Fett's armor. Um, Tamara Morrison is in the in the show, and he's going to be playing Boba Fett. So it's not a case of, you know, Timothy being Boba Fett. Um, my guess is that he's probably an assassin or a bounty hunter who somehow comes across, you know, the armor. Um, and, you know, Tamara Morrison is going after him. Well, he's got a lot to live up to if he's going to wear that armor. Well, up next, some pretty huge news. Zack Snyder's Justice League officially releasing on HBO Max. We're getting the Snyder Cut. Holy shit. <laughs> I talk so much shit about how we are not getting the Snyder Cut now. It's, it kind of makes me look bad. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure Warner Brothers saw the outcry and, you know, saw nothing but dollar signs. So I'm not necessarily surprised. Um, you know, nerds rejoice. You know, everyone got what they wanted. Um, it can't be any worse than, you know, the Justice League we got in the theaters. So hopefully it's better. Um to do use you, it. Do you, do you think, Christian, they're going to use this as their new continuity and kind of forget about, you know, the original theatrical release? No, I think this is just an experiment to get people onto HBO Max and we'll still be seeing a new different type of like releases from DC. Now, I feel like it'd be a mistake to reboot from the Snyder Cut. Now, it's it's definitely interesting, though. They are putting $20 million into finishing the Snyder Cut. So I don't know if they're going back and, like, you know, filling out some of those missing scenes um, with CGI. I don't know if they're actually going to be calling actors back to, you know, do reshoots. Um, that seems a little bizarre, like, three years later. Uh, <laughs> Snyder has come out saying that, you know, people have only actually seen one-sixth of his footage. Still one-sixth of a bad movie. Let's move on. <laughs> Damn it, it seems that Ruby Rose has left Batwoman. Yeah, it sounds like just the schedule was too much for her. I, I guess she had to um, live in Vancouver, and she wasn't super happy about that. Um, you know, which I'm sure Vancouver's thrilled to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just wasn't a good fit for her. It doesn't seem like it was, you know, her decision alone. She might have been butting heads with, you know, some executives. Um, and they just decided to part ways. 
So, I mean, so they're, they're, season two's definitely happening. They're just looking to recast the role at this point. She just basically said, take your free health care and shove it. I, I guess, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather be in Vancouver right now. Tell you that. Uh, <laughs> Well, up next, we got a twofer. We have two stories coming out of the Sony Marvel camp um, about Spider-Man projects, potentially. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) So uh, yesterday we heard that there was possibly a Madam Web movie being directed by S.J. Clarkson. Um, And then today we heard that there's that they're actually prepping for a jackpot movie of all characters. Um, so I don't know if these are like the same story and maybe, you know, people are kind of getting confused exactly. Um, but cause yesterday was like, well, it might be a Madam web story or it's some kind of female led, you know, uh, spider verse story. So I was kind of hoping for a spider woman story. Um, I don't know why they would go jackpot. Um, she, I, I'm not a fan of the character at all. She is the most convoluted um, backstory (laughs) that you can even imagine. I won't even get into it because we're trying to go light speed. But it it just didn't work in the comic books. I can't imagine it working on the big screen. Um, At one point, everyone thought she was MJ. Um, But yeah, no. So I... You know, it's Sony, so who the fuck knows, right? <laughs> All right, another story we got to talk about. Umbrella Academy reveals season two premiere date. Yeah, it's coming July 31st. Um, I love the first season. I'm super excited for the second. All right, uh, David Arquette coming back as Dewey Riley. What do you think, Damon? Uh, I think I'd rather see him wrestle, Christian. Really? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping that the directors from Ready or Not would be getting, like, their chance to bring, like, a fresh take to, like, just the concept of scream um so i don't know man i'm just kind of over seeing like this cast go through the same bullshit over i mean what how old is david arquette at this point he's got to be like in his 50s right yeah too old so i mean i don't know man i do we really want to see like you know sydney and you know courtney cox and everyone you know do this shit again like, I mean, I'm okay. No. Like, if, if the film starts off with, like, Dewey getting, like, stabbed in the heart by Ghostface, then sign me up. Fine. But, like, I just thought we we're going to get a fresh start. Apparently, we're not. <laughs> All right, and that does it for the news this week. We got to move on to the countdown. Damon, it's been 40 years since The Empire Strikes Back came out. And we have been, you know, celebrating Star Wars all fucking month. Now we're finally doing it, Damon. We're doing the big one. We're ranking down every single star wars property that's been on tv and or on the big screen well almost like we're not doing the ewok movies and we're not doing the christmas special we're basically ranking all the ones that we want to rank (laughs) sure we'll say continuity but whatever (laughs) it's pretty much what we've seen so but yeah i mean we figured 15 you know movies and tv shows was plenty So let's get into it, Christian. Now loading the final countdown of Star Wars Month. Nearly every movie and TV series will be accounted for as The Amazing Nerd Show finally presents the Star Wars franchise ranked. Number 15. Attack of the Clones. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men. But the women and the children, too. So, Christian, I remember seeing this trailer and being super stoked for it. Like, just an army of Jedi, sparking lightsabers, running at some unknown enemy. Like, I was full on board. Even though I was slightly disappointed with Phantom Menace, I thought, okay, here we go. Second act, you know, Lucas is hitting the ground running. And then I get to the theater and I sit through one of the worst love stories <laughs> of all time. It was like watching a bad high school play. I mean, they obviously didn't do like a screen test between like Hayden Christensen and uh, Natalie Portman. Because um, there's no fucking chemistry whatsoever. I mean, Lucas didn't help them out at all with like just his wooden, awful dialogue. Um, but my God. It just brings the whole fucking movie down. 
I mean, it, you just didn't believe what was going on. And, and, and at the same time, I think we talked about it before, just the whole relationship seems a little pervy because last time <laughs> we saw <laughs> Anakin, he was like a seven-year-old boy. And I felt like, you know, Padme was at least a teenager at that point. So it, it just feels a little off-putting. Um, I don't know. Positives, Christian? Are there any? Uh- I mean, the entire ending as as a kid that was a huge positive for me. But like, I, I felt like I could sit through Phantom Menace more than I could sit through this film. And Phantom Menace is filled with tons of like politics, whereas this is <laughs> the love angle is just so it's so boring and creepy at the same time. As a kid, I just fast forward through all that shit, like him cutting <laughs> the pear and just waxing yeah. poetically about I God knows what. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it wasn't I liked, poetic. I, yes, no, that was the big problem. I, I also, I did enjoy Obi-Wan versus Django. I thought that was kind of cool. It was like finally getting to see, you know, basically Boba Fett, um, you know, take on a Jedi. So I did like that battle. But even the stadium scene with all the Jedi, like Geonosis, just didn't work. Because we have that whole fucking lead in, or I mm-hmm. guess it's actually taking place during the battle with fucking C-3PO, this whole like fucking slapstick comedy routine <laughs> that Lucas felt like he had to fucking put in the goddamn movie for some reason. Because we didn't have enough droids, apparently, um, in the first one. I, I just, it, 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 it doesn't age well at all. Like the CGI just looks awful nowadays. Um, but yeah, no, that scene was disappointing too, you know? And I, I think they sold me really on that scene, so that's why I'm, pretty mm-hmm. hard on it um i love christopher lee as count dooku i do um but we don't get to see enough of him and i think part of my love for that character now is really has it really has to do with clone wars um so i i don't know man man this movie sucked <laughs> <laughs> number 14 the phantom menace the boy will not pass the council's test master he's too old anakin will become a jedi I promise you. Do not defy the council master, not again. I shall do what I must, Obi-Wan. All right, so leading up to this movie, we had literally a 16-year drought between Star Wars films. We had the re-releases, but Star Wars kind of disappeared from, like, you know, mainstream pop culture. Um, And then, like, the trailer hit, and, like, all the advertising started, and we were seeing this fucking badass fucking, you know, Darth Maul. It seemed like he was going to be the next Darth Vader. Everyone was super hyped for this. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then the movie happened. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And we got fucking midichlorians, Jar Jar Binks, politics. Um, space politics, and then we got one of the worst fucking Jedis of all time, fucking Qui-Gon. Um, <laughs> this movie, uh, you know, for, what, Jesus Christ, is a two-hour snooze, like, leading up to the Duel of Fates. Um, I just, I, is really, if you think about it, it's really Lucas trying to explain like, how the magic happens in yeah. the galaxy. And it just it just doesn't work. The script kind of feels like bad fan fiction at times. Uh, you know, just kind of like over explaining things. Like I don't need to know how you make the donuts, man. Like I really don't. <laughs> like I mean, <laughs> I mean, midichlorians, the whole concept behind it just, you know, ruins just this this the the mysticism behind Mm. you know being a jedi and everything and that could happen to anyone like i don't need to know the fucking science behind it um you know and just the fact that we were promised this fucking badass sith lord and then you know he gets two lines and then chopped in half by the end of the movie no yeah it's definitely a disservice to that character and luckily you know you know as we went on you know, Clone Wars and comics and Rebels and stuff like that were able to rebuild that character into what it should be. But, you know, Lucas just didn't didn't execute him well. And I think, like we've talked about before, he would have been a perfect character throughout all three of those movies as a, like a driving force of the story. Absolutely. It made no sense to get rid of, like, get rid of him that quickly. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, Anakin's arc would have meant so much more if it was... Darth Maul that he was taking out um, in the beginning of uh, Revenge of the Sith instead mm-hmm. of Count Dooku. 
if, you know, they have an epic, you know, lightsaber, you know, duel at the end of Attack of the Clones, you know, he still bests both of them. And then, you know, finally in Revenge of the Sith, and maybe not in the very first five minutes, um, let it breathe a little, George. Um, but like, you know, some way, some at some point, you know, Anakin kills Maul finally. Uh, I think that would have been, you know, a bigger moment. And it, it yeah, would have meant more, you know, mm-hmm. um, for Anakin's arc. It's that, you know, like one apprentice defeating the other one type of deal where it's like just overcoming that kind of character i think that'd be a really fucking great story and now that we've talked about it i kind of want that to be the story like i want to just imagine that's what it was this whole time (laughs) (laughs) and i like what we got with maul and like you know clone wars and rebels Mm -hmm. and everything like that his arc ended up being quite enjoyable but it's just it's more of like what could have been number 13 star wars clone wars the movie you're reckless little one You never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan. But you might make it as mine. Uh, You know, I I was a really big fan of the 2D animated series that came out for a little while on Cartoon Network. And then they decided to go in a different direction. They wanted to do something new and they created the Clone Wars uh, movie. And, you know, at first I was very like... I didn't like the art style. Yeah, it really took me a while to get into the 3D art style of the series, uh, and I, like later on when I was watching it. But uh, when this film came out, I gave it a try. I, I sat there, I watched it in theaters, I believe, and I don't know. I, I was in the height of probably my angsty, you know, middle school years. But at the same time, this was like purely made for children, and you know, it's so campy, and it just didn't feel like Star Wars for me. Uh, and that's probably why it's so low on the list, in my in my opinion. Um, you know, these characters grow on to be, you know, awesome and amazing. But this movie in general is just so one dimensional. So I think really the only saving grace is, you know, we're getting a more fully formed Attican. Um, He just felt more believable, even though he's animated <laughs> as oh. a character. <laughs> and then, you know... It's the introduction of Ahsoka, which is a beloved character, one of my favorite Star Wars characters of all time. Um, even though, you know, this is a younger version, she's a little bratty, kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, besides that, there's not much here because it's definitely more targeted towards kids. And it does have like, I don't know, this cheese factor to it, you know, being focused on like, you know, Jabba's son and everything like that. It never quite, like, clicks for me. Um, It doesn't feel like, you know, I don't know, the Star Wars, you know, universe that I, you know, come to love. No, because of this movie, you know, it took years for me to get back into the show. Because I just could not get behind, you know, Ahsoka in this film and just, like, the concept of Anakin having an apprentice. Like, why why in God's name would they have given him? I, I still don't understand that decision. But, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's just, eh, I don't know, for me. Number 12, Rise of Skywalker. As once I fell, so falls the last Skywalker. So, unfortunately, um, a ton will really, like, relied on this film to work. And they kind of rushed through it. A lot of the story elements are just just fast-paced. They, they get through things, and they forget to explain anything in the past. You know, um, we, we get Emperor Palpatine um, in pretty much a paragraph, and that's about it. You know, there's other than dark sciences. But, um, <laughs> you know, we, we get, you know, half-assed explanations for things, and unfortunately the way that this trilogy was built kind of just put all the pressure on this film. So, I, I mean, I... I get why they tried to do so much, but at the same time, um, if they had just wrote it better, <laughs> I I have so many issues with this film, and I, I'm going to contain it so that we don't, you know, we don't go on forever. But it's just the way that they handle everything in this film, um, the way mostly the breakneck speed, but just like getting to each story element just didn't make sense didn't work for the film and ultimately hurt the trilogy as a whole to the point where I 
I could watch this trilogy and just move on with my life. You know, uh, I could, I'm just ready for the next Star Wars project. I want to I, I want to pretend like this didn't happen some days. Nah, so I want to go that far because I really do like the characters. Um, and there's moments that I enjoyed in this film, but overall, I feel like it's just hurt by like a, a lack of direction. Um, yeah. It feels kind of aimless. It feels like they've got too much movie for their runtime. Um, I feel like they would have been, I, I don't know, better off doing this like in two parts. And I know that kind of like breaks the whole trilogy model. But they just, I, it feels like they were doing a lot of like resetting from like what happened in Last Jedi. Um, it, it seems like they were listening to their fans maybe a little too much where they're trying to like retcon shit, you know, um, in this movie. And it just, it was too daunting of a task for JJ, um, you know, and, and it came to the point where it, it, it honestly, it's just not very well done. You know, what what it comes down to is, you know, story-wise, they just really let these characters down. Um, and I feel like they're salvageable. I really do. Um, but in letting these characters down, they really let the fans down. Because, I mean, I there's a better story here, um, you know, and we just deserve better overall. So, I mean, it just, it feels like they were kind of, I know, catering too much to toxic fandom and, you know, not enough to, you know, what their original story was, um, which I'm not even quite sure where they're going with things. Um, like I, the fact that they felt like they had to give, you know, Ray, you know, a, you know, parents that like, you know, tied into the saga with like making like Palpatine her grandfather slash father because it's a clone. <laughs> Like, it just feels so convoluted and just, you know, overly complicated for no reason whatsoever. I kind of liked the fact that she was, like, no one, you know? It, it mm -hmm. kind of felt like, okay, well, you know, raise all of us, you know? She stands for that person who comes out of nowhere and that anyone can do this. Anyone can be the hero of the story. Um, and it kind of lost that message. Um, which is unfortunate. So this just isn't a very well-made movie when it comes down to it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's quite disappointing because, like I said, I love all these actors and I love all their performances. Um, but, you know, the story let it down. Number 11. Solo, a Star Wars story. You happen to notice that freighter down there? You know what's on it? About 30 hired guns. All I gotta do is give him the signal, you're surrounded. Uh, this was another film where it kind of felt like they didn't know exactly where they wanted to go just yet. And like it was it was another one where you know it had maybe too many hands in the in the jar for this one. Um, but at the same time, you know, I I saw a lot of effort from the actors and I, I don't think you know, I don't think their performances were bad at all. I mean, ultimately, I enjoyed what we got from Alden Ehrenreich. Um, you know, he he might not be necessarily Han Solo, but at the same time, I think he put in you know the best effort that he could to get there. Um, you know, we do we do know of all the like changes with the directors, um, how the first film was probably more of like a comedy than than uh, what we received with Ron Howard's version. Um, I, I enjoyed Lando. I enjoyed the story with the Millennium Falcon. Um, I liked all these elements. It it does fall flat um, in here and there. Uh, the story is you know a little too slim. You know, like they're just pushing through. Like I didn't like the origin story of the Kessel Run. You know, there's just little things like that that just kind of bogged it down. Plus, like um, I know a lot of people don't like L three too much, uh, and and little things like that. Like yeah, I didn't need sucks. to know. Yeah, I, I didn't need to know the um, origin of the Navicomputer. I didn't think that's what we were going to get at all. <laughs> yeah. There's just a lot of little Easter eggs that are thrown in there yeah. for fan service that I just wasn't needed. Um, for me, they just never really kind of captured the spirit of Han Solo. 
I think that was my main problem. I mean, the performance of, you know, Aaron Har- Aaron Reich. Am I saying his name right? Alden? <laughs> I feel like we're killing his name, poor guy. <laughs> He's got enough grief um, the past couple of years. Um, I felt like they never quite captured the spirit of Han Solo, though, and just Terrence and Ford in general, which is, I mean, that's an impossible task if you think yeah. about it. So, but I just, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I never saw him as Han Solo. Like, he never became that character to me. Um, And that might be just a script issue. Um, I also feel like they played it, like, too safe. Um, It feels too formulaic. Uh, Just, I don't know. Like, kind of like, you know, just Star Wars by numbers, really. Um, And I know they switched directors, like, literally i think more than halfway through the shoot um so i i don't know i just didn't like what ron howard gave us and i think a lot of it just felt like i don't know like you know uh, colored by numbers honestly um i would have loved to see what like lord and and miller's like movie would have looked like Mm -hmm. um it sounds like it was more comedic in tone uh it's unfortunate because we'll probably never see that. But after watching like into the spider verse, I was like, Holy shit, give it, give these guys another shot. (laughs) Um, So, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, for me too, like they never quite captured Han Solo's spirit in the movie, um, which it's an impossible task with just, you know, I mean, an iconic actor like Harrison Ford, you're you're not gonna get a performance that caliber and that iconic, you know. I mean, no matter what actor would have like re- you know tried to like replace him or play a younger version of him. I mean, there were things that I did like. I like seeing what like this galaxy looked like underneath Imperial rule. You know, not like using like the Skywalkers to kind of like as our like guide, but just kind of seeing what like almost like what war looked like, what everyday life looked like, you know, for, you know, these different races. I enjoyed seeing like the, you know, the underside of like the galaxy, like with like the Crimson Dawn and everything. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Donald Glover as Lando is fantastic. And I would love to see him get like a solo movie. Um, No pun intended. Um, Or even, you know, I feel like this could end up being like a better, like better suited as like a TV show or even like an animated project. Mm -hmm. No, I could totally see this in the vein of like the Mandalorian or something like that. I I think it also would have um, handed itself to have been more like maybe even like stationary, like, um, there was this project for like Star Wars thirteen thirteen, which would have been like you know you're in the underbelly of Coruscant and you stay you know on one planet. I think it would have been cool to see an adventure where that focuses just on the underground of one planet. You know you see them dealing with whatever's going on there, and it allows more focus on the characters and such like that. That's what I was picturing when I thought underbelly crime world syndicate you know film. Yeah, yeah, no, I was expecting to get into, like, Jabba's palace and see, like, what the bounty that, like, you know, uh, Solo, you know, had on his head was all really about. Like, I I wanted that kind of story. So, but I understand, like, they were trying to tell, like, a story with, like, a younger Solo. They didn't want to butt up against A New Hope too much. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. This just wasn't really the movie I was expecting it to be. So, and even as just like an action film, I felt like I kind of felt flat. So in revisiting it, I've enjoyed it a little more um, since then, but unfortunate for me, it's just okay-ish. Before we move on, this is a word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and it's time to mow your lawn. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can now trim your hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. We're talking about ball trimmers, man. Manscaped is here to make sure your balls are smooth and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring clean. Christian, ball hygiene is important. No one wants to feel like their testicles betraying on Dagobah all day long. That's why I was super excited when my wife got me Manscaped's Perfect Package 3.0. Last anniversary. My little Yodas have never been happier. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. I'm talking precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. 
The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower, 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer, and tons of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blades to reduce manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to go nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Manscaped obsesses over technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And they only use the best ingredients in their formulation. It's science. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. It's starting to get hot outside, and this is crucial so your balls stop sticking to your leg. And as a treat, you'll find the Crop Reviver, which will keep your ball smelling fresh, just like spring flowers. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays hygienic and clean. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you go to manscaped.com slash nerdshow. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. That's right, Christian. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash nerdshow. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com slash nerdshow. It's spring cleaning, baby, and your balls will thank you. And remind them the nerd sent you. Number 10. Revenge of the Sith. If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I will do what I must. You will try. So this is by far the best film of the prequels. We can both agree on that, right? <laughs> That's why it sits at number 10. Um, I felt like the bones of a great movie's there. Um, it still doesn't quite hit its mark for me at least. Um, but I like everything that it sets up. So unfortunately it's kind of weighed down once again by like bad dialogue and everything and some really, really cheesy moments, but it's a fun enough ride, like seeing how, you know, really Attican becomes, you know, the Lord Sith. So, um, but yeah, you know, high ground be damned. You know, I, I do enjoy this movie. It is something that I can revisit and, you know, have fun with, um, you know, even God, even with, you know, the emperor's <laughs> ridiculous faces, you know, in the midst of battle, <laughs> it, it has its charms about it. Mm. It no, does. It's, it's fun to watch. I mean, it's going to be iconic for the wrong reasons till the end of time. But I mean, it's still a fun to watch film. But I feel like it's not just because of the memes. I know, <laughs> I know. There's been just this like plethora of memes that have come out of this film, <laughs> and that's all great and good. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. I don't know. I there, there's something about it I do enjoy. So, I mean, there's way too much CGI. It doesn't necessarily age well, but. Oh, man, I don't know. I, I like what I just wish, you know, I almost wish they like someone would go back and remake it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with like decent dialogue or I don't know, can you CGI it in or something? <laughs> I, I'm not sure but like, how that works. But I don't know, man. It, they, they were almost there with this one. Number nine. The Last Jedi. I'll destroy her and you and all of it. No. Strike me down in anger and I'll always be with you. Just like your father. So when this movie came out, um, I was super excited. You know, The Force Awakens was pretty good. I enjoyed it. So I was ready to see what was coming up next. Um, you know, there was tons of great advertising really showing off. You know, you know, is this going to be, you know, that great Jedi moment? Is, you know, is there... Like, are they going to blur the lines of good and bad in a character like Rey? Yeah, I thought this was, like, going to be something super unique and interesting. And then I, I sat in the movie, and there was there was some parts that just very... I, 
I left the theater very conflicted on how I felt. And it took a little while for me to, you know, just embrace the parts that I like and try to ignore the parts that I didn't. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I felt like this was a it was it was a good enough movie, you know, um, whereas like Rise of Skywalker is is bona fide bad no matter how you spin it. Um, the Last Jedi, uh, for me, you know, it really handled cinematography very well. It handled uh, the story very well. It was just this half-baked story that they made on Canto Bite, um, where you know you have Finn and Rose um, trying to like get. <laughs> I, they're trying to like get this certain information off the planet to, to I don't save, fucking to win know what the, the hell they're doing. There are space horses. <laughs> I don't fucking know, man. Um, yeah, no, that that like half hour in the middle of the movie definitely mm. brings it down a notch. Um, this movie was definitely frustrating for me. Um, yes. it, it really was. And I, like you said, I was, I was conflicted, not just like the day after this film, like months after this film. And I still am when watching it. Um, it's definitely a well-made film, um, much more so than rise of Skywalker. And I kind of like the direction that Ryan Johnson was taking, um, the franchise, just this whole aspect of, you know, like I, I talked about with Rise of Skywalker, um, where Ray, you know, is a nobody and how like a nobody can become a hero no matter what. I thought he was kind of setting up a new chapter for the franchise. I, I think one of my big problems is a lot of conflicts, you know, especially between like the resistance could have been just done away with just, you know, a simple conversation, like with yeah. what happened with like Poe and Haldo, like if she would have just explained that there was a whole plan and everything, you know, hundreds didn't have to die. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, I mean, the beginning sequence alone. Um, and I understand it's all part of Poe's like, you know, his arc, but at the same time, it feels like Poe should really be locked up at the end of this, like in court-martialed, <laughs> honestly. Um, and then just Luke's arc is what ends up always killing me. You know, for me, Luke has always been like the definition of what a hero should be. Um, always willing to like rush off into battle to save his friends. Um, and I understand, you know, the arc that they're going for. You know, this is someone who's been completely, like, traumatized by losing all his students and feeling like he failed. Um, and, mm -hmm. like, you know, he turns himself off to the Force um, and kind of goes into hiding because of this. But then, like, I can almost deal with that. But the fact that, like, you know, Ray finds him, shows up, and tells him what the hell's happening with Kylo. And then he finds out. I think the biggest sin is when he finds out that Han has died and he doesn't like jump into his X-Wing right then and there and take off, you know, to confront Kylo. I think that's when the movie kind of lets down that character. You know, if they would have had it set up where Luke finds out that, you know, what's happened with Kylo and like the rise of like the First Order and, you know, you know, that Kylo's killed his father and everything. And Luke then decides to train Ray and, you know, then he goes off to confront the first order together. I would have been okay with it. You know, I, I, I could have made sense of that story of, you know, Luke, you know, kind of being like in hiding on this planet, but I don't know, just the story that the way it unfolded, it just felt like a disservice to the character. I think I I I let it go a little bit more because I'm trying to feel like how Luke would have handled like Order sixty six and feeling the death of all those Jedi and I could imagine like many of the Jedi like what we learned after that you know went into hiding went did a lot of what Luke did so that's that's kind of like my thinking of it and that's my like me making reasoning for I guess the story, but those but... Jedi aren't Luke Skywalker. You know, and that's True. the thing. Like, I mean, I can deal with him being traumatized and everything and like turning himself off to the forest and whatever. But then once he understands the evil that's arisen in the galaxy and, you know, what a threat Kylo's become and like that his friends are dying 
the fact that he's not rising to face that, you know, that's where I feel like the story kind of lets us down. Even if it was like he, instead of him just running off, that immediately sparks him to start training Ray. I feel like that would have been a better you know, yes. answer to it. Yes. And I do enjoy the ending with, you know, Luke kind of facing mm. off against the First Order alone. I just wish he was actually there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like that's the better ending for him than him just like dying alone on a cliff somewhere, you know, and disappearing Obi-Wan style. Number eight, Star Wars Rebels. With the holocrons, they tell the truth. Do they? The truth is often what we make of it. You heard what you wanted to hear, believed what you wanted to believe. And now the only one who has gained anything from all of this is me. Uh, Star Wars Rebels was another show I, I hesitated to get into. I wasn't too impressed with the trailers and the, again, the three. I'm not a huge 3D animation guy. I just never have been. Um, and what we got with it, you know, it turned out to be pretty, you know, pretty well done. Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like the reason Rebels doesn't, you know, make the same leaps and, you know, gets gets my attention as much as Clone Wars is because I don't get behind Ezra as much as I do like someone like Ahsoka throughout the series. Like I don't, I didn't really, I, I didn't really attach or, you know, get too interested in Ezra's storyline throughout it. You know, the, the side characters, however, are like brilliant, really well done. Hera's great. I really enjoyed Kanan. Um, I, I do enjoy the return of Ahsoka and what we got with her, her storyline. Um, I, there's a lot of great and interesting elements. I just, I didn't believe in and didn't really, get too far behind Ezra as a character throughout the series. This is a really well done, like fun series. I, I I was like you at first. I was really hesitant about like, you know, getting into it. But once I did, I didn't regret it at all. Um I enjoyed Sabine. I love how much like, you know, Mandalorian like lore we really got into um with her character. Um and like you said, I mean the closure that we get for Ahsoka you know, in this series is fantastic. Um, it's and like the, the battle that we get between like Ahsoka and Vader is still one of the greatest Star Wars moments of all time. I don't care that it's animated. Um, I feel like it ranks up there, you know, at least on the top 10. I think we did put it in our top 10, correct? Yes. Um, <laughs> so <almost> number one, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it just such a, such a great moment, you know, for both of those characters and everything. Um, but yeah, no, um, God, I, Man, I love me some Inquisitors. Like, <laughs> just the whole concept behind the Inquisitors I thought was mm -hmm. so cool. Um, you know, and just, like, you know, Vader having, like, you know, these, I guess they're not technically Sith, but come on, they're Sith. You know, Enforcers, you know, doing his bidding. Just a fun concept, and just, they're all just total badasses. So I, I really enjoyed that concept. Um, and I thought it brought a lot to the series and it really does dive into that whole like idea behind like the great Jedi and everything. So it, it, it really, there's a lot there for a star Wars nerd to get into and sink their teeth into. No, absolutely. That's why I get so behind it. Number seven, the force awakens. It's true. The force, the Jedi. All of it. It's all true. So this is definitely JJ's like love letter to Star Wars. Um, and George Lucas, I feel like. Yeah, it's a little derivative of, you know, things that we've seen in the past, um, story wise, but I don't know. I forgive it. And honestly, like it made me fall deeper in love with star wars it was just so exciting to see some of these like beloved characters again um you know and i i realized i missed them more than i thought you know with like han solo chewbacca princess leia general leia now um it just it, it i think it just hit the right notes for me in the long run yeah and uh, like along with all the great new characters they introduced you know it was so like just i don't know comforting in a way to see all these old faces return to the franchise um i don't know it, it was something that i didn't know i needed um but it it hit just all the right notes for me so and like i said man i i love some fucking kylo red man you know give me that fucking angsty <laughs> you know emo sith um 
I just I, such I just feel like he's such an interesting character and everything. And I just I, I don't know. I really enjoy like Adam Driver's performance. I just felt like it was such a great setup for this new era of Star Wars. Little did I know. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree. I thought this was the right start. My my issues with the film was, of course, you know, it, it, it felt too fan servicey. It was a little too derivative at the time. But at the same time, I did enjoy, you know, all the new characters we got. I enjoyed um, the story of the Resistance and, you know, getting to know these new characters um, at, at, at this time. You know, um, I, I, I really did get off the right foot with this film. And it put me in the right place for The Last Jedi. And then things kind of fell apart. So. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. The Mandalorian. It will do well. Reserve some for the foundlings. As it should always be. The foundlings are the future. This is the way. This, this is the way. This beautiful space western samurai show checked all the right boxes for me as a star wars fan um it's amazing like what like it's such a simple story but it really like you know encompasses everything that i love about this universe um you know it's so great you know finally getting to see like you know really the underbelly you know of you know the star wars universe but at the same time, you kind of have this really like, you know, story that's filled with heart and like this character that by all means is, you know, the scum and villainy that we've heard about, you know, um, uh, I'm not doing much better. Um... We get this character that, you know, is the definition of the scum and villainy that we've heard about, you know, in the underworld. But, you know, he has such rich character. And this is all done without, like, removing his fucking helmet, except for, like, one scene. Um, it's just an impressive feat. No, absolutely. I mean, you can feel, you feel so much for this character, even though, you know, you get... Very little dialogue, very little like, you know, you get glimpses of a backstory. You get you do get to learn more about him, of course. But I mean, just like so simple, yet you you're allowed to care for everything. And, and I feel like a lot of Star Wars and how they're handling the films could learn so much from this fucking series. You know, after Skywalker, I needed something new. I needed something original. And, you know, The Mandalorian really filled that gap. You know, you get the space exploration with such a badass character and you get a lovable story at the same time. It's so awesome that we finally get something like this in Star Wars. And I'm so excited to see where they'll go in the future with this. No, I mean, less is more. And that, that that's exactly. the lesson we're kind of learning with this show. Um, you know, I mean, with Rise of Skywalker and Last Jedi... You know, I think the story just got so convoluted. It was just, it got to the point where it was hard to track and to make sense of. Um, where, you know, The Mandalorian, it keeps it simple, but, you know, you care about the story just as much. Number five Star Wars, the Clone Wars series. No. I'll do it. Rex, what's happening? Stay back! Find him. Find him. But Find him! Like I mentioned before, I it took me a little while to get into this series. You know, after a lot of great buzz, um, I really started to, you know, pay attention and start watching it. And the first season, kind of like The Phantom Menace, is very slow and a little bit bogged down uh, for me. But the but from there, after that, you know, the story picks up. And you really start to love these characters. You really start to grow with them a lot. I mean, what we got with Ahsoka, it's probably like one of the best Star Wars stories out there. And it's it's tip it's it's all those elements that you would love from Star Wars, but just 
for some reason they were able to just form this perfect character and really show growth in a character you know because it was, was it was able to go across you know multiple seasons that's how we were able to you know grow and fall in love with these characters you know anakin is is such a better character now because of clone wars um darth maul is perfect villain now because of clone wars they they experimented and played around with so much in this series and it really helped the star wars universe in a whole and you know even though even though you know it's it's still marketed towards kids and there's a lot of you know um stuff for the clones and stuff like that the clones are still an enjoyable story and you know when you really sit there and you watch all the stories it makes you kind of feel like terrible for what these clones are going through and what they have to experience in this war you know for a kid show this is really like you know war centric and you you really see the loss that they had to take see i don't even think i consider it a kid's show (laughs) <laughs> do you i mean it's do, still marketed towards kids i guess just, i mean but you can make that argument with all of star wars like i think they know <laughs> who their true target is <laughs> i mean yes it kind of toes the line but i i think they know that you know 40 something year old adults are also watching this show so <laughs> um yeah i agree i feel like you know clone wars it you know, and I know David Filoni would never admit it. I know Lucas worked on the show also, but I feel like he kind of righted a lot of the wrongs of the prequels, you know, in aspect of like, you know, with characters like Maul and Attican. Like we, like I said before, we finally get the Attican that we all deserved, a character we could really like get behind and, you know, feel something for, for when he does get corrupted by the dark side. Um, you know, and even like the Jedi, you know, like we get to know these other Jedi's that are just kind of background characters in the prequel. Uh, it it really does such a great service, you know, for the prequels and makes it such more of a like fully formed story. And that's really why I rank it so much higher than you know all the prequels on our list. Um, so like really and like i'm not a huge fan of the idea of the clones i've talked about that before and you know i mean the last this last season kind of like i i came around a little more um you know to the clones and like just the i felt like they kind of explored more of you know what it meant to be a clone in this world um you know just i think the one line i'm totally paraphrasing where he talks about like we don't know what we would be without the war um you know it's kind of a novel concept and everything and it's just something i never thought of um because a lot of times you know those clone episodes were really like hit or miss for me um for me i was all about like the jedi and, and even like you know along with the jedi we got to know like you know characters like count dooku and general grievous and everything and you know characters that i kind of felt like i don't know they were exposable um you know in the prequels like i actually grew to really enjoy and love uh so i i don't know man i like clone wars really did the prequels better than the prequels number four rogue one a star wars story come with us i will run no longer come on but you must save yourself come on go there's no time save the rebellion save the dream this is such a well-done story and just works on so many different levels, um, you know, not just as a prequel, just just as a story in general. I mean, this is a war movie, really, if you think about it. Like, this is Star Wars, like, Dirty Dozen style or Seven Samurai style. Um, <laughs> and it works so well. They gave us, like, so many, like, likable, lovable characters that we all know they're going to fucking die at the end of the movie. But it doesn't matter. You still get invested in these characters. Um, Just, I mean, just so well done. I mean, honestly, uh, for me, this is definitely the best um, of the Disney era, you know, Star Wars film. No, I totally agree. I mean, the the way that they handled grit in this film, you know, gave me hope for more stories and, and, like how they can, you know, take Star Wars in a different direction going forward and tell these different, like, points of views throughout um, the Star Wars universe. I'm definitely, uh, this, I was already invested in Star Wars, but this is just, you know, made me love, you know, the universe even more. You know, getting to know characters like these 
you know, people that believe in the religion of the Jedi and people that, you know, are skeptics and, you know, reasons, other reasons to join the rebellion, you know, how the empire is really affecting the world and stuff like that, you know, and this, as you said, is a war movie, you know, you really get that grit and that, and you really feel the danger that they're in the entire time. And I just think that that was such a wonderful concept for them to explore. It definitely, you know, blew my expectations out the water when this film came out. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that these characters are willing to make like the ultimate sacrifice, you know, Mm -hmm. for this mission that means so much to like the rebellion's cause, um, you know, it, it made me love the rebellion even more. And we kind of got a, mm-hmm. like a new fresh look at what the rebellion was really all about that. I feel like, you know, the rebellions there in the original trilogy, but they don't really explore like, you know, who's behind the rebellion. Um, and this gave that to us, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. I, and I love the fact that, you know, it's not just, you know, all black and white. There's definitely some gray there um, that these characters have to, you know, maybe do things that they're not necessarily quite proud of, um, you know, just, you know, for the sole mission of taking down the Empire. Yeah, and I, I'm excited to see what they'll do with Cassie and Andor's story um, going forward. Absolutely, and give me more Darth Vader fucking mowing down <laughs> Rebel Troopers, goddammit. <laughs> Number three, A New Hope. Use the Force, Luke. Let go. The Force is strong in this one. Luke, trust me. All right, so we're in the nitty-gritty here, Christian. And I'm not going to lie, this was difficult. <laughs> so I, I shuffled around the you know top three uh, quite a bit, um, especially like the number three and number two um, picks. So, um, but yeah, I think we've, we both kind of, you know, f- feel okay with the New <laughs> Hope being number three? I'm perfectly fine with it. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> um, I wasn't at first. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But like, th- th- I mean, this is our introduction to mm. this wonderful space opera that we all celebrate and love, you know, 40 some years later. Um, just, I mean, this really just opened up our minds, you know, especially, you know, for my generation to what can be storytelling wise, um, especially on film. So, I mean, it all starts here. Star Wars A New Hope is just this epic start to this space odyssey that just introduces all these wonderful new characters, takes all these like fairy tale, you know, modern mythology archetypes and just like, you know, Lucas turns them on their head, really. Um, you know, we we have this, you know, farm boy who ends up becoming the hero of this great story who's trying to like, you know, overcome his father's like sins um you've got this like scoundrel this pirate space pirate who has a heart of gold um you know this princess who ends up actually being like the strongest leader in this story um just all all these wonderful like elements you know with the backdrop of these groundbreaking you know, uh, special effects that at the time had never been seen before. And I still feel like hold up today. Like it all started here, Um, you know, and it just, just the perfect first chapter to such an epic, you know, fucking space opera. No, absolutely. I mean, this really birthed a lot of people's fandoms and, you know, really started off the Star Wars craze. Uh, you know, you really do fall in love with these characters, and George Lucas really did put together um, this well-produced film compared to what we got in the prequels. I mean, it's, it just feels like a whole different man made those films at some point. You know what I'm saying? It's just, um, I don't know. It, there's something really special that he made here. There's a reason why people went, I mean, there's a reason why people went bazonkers after this fucking film went out. <laughs> I feel like Bazonkers needs to be a shirt now, Christian. <laughs> we can totally... I'll, I'll make it a shirt. <laughs> no, man. It, a New Hope is really a great Star Wars film, and it should be the starting point for anyone. No one should be starting at episode one. <laughs> Number two. Return of the Jedi. I see you have constructed a new lightsaber. 
Your skills are complete. Indeed, you are powerful, as the Emperor has foreseen. Uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi is actually one of my personal favorite films of all time. Um, I really love the you know, the culmination of the story of Star Wars. Our, from, well, the first trilogy's arc, pretty much. Um, I loved everything we got with Luke. I loved the story of Vader. You know, the finally seeing his redemption after everything. You know, finally seeing him turn. Um, I love the introduction of Luke as you know, pretty much the master Jedi that he could be. Um, you know, the return of Han after all the things that happened in Empire, um, everything we got with the barge scene. There's so much to love of this film. I know people are probably screaming right now. The Ewoks ruined this film and, and sh this should be all the way at the back of the list for a lot of people. But for me, this is truly one of the best. That's ridiculous. <laughs> there are people that are like that. That's how people About feel. About Return of the Jedi? The back of like the entire franchise list maybe not the entire franchise but you, you know what i meant like i mean I'm, I'm flipping flipping new hope i guess so. <laughs> i was like what <laughs> there are people that really but beyond the ewoks you know i think the film is really fucking good you know i really enjoy like that battle between vader and luke in the film you know solidified me as a star wars nerd for life um i love the anger and the aggression and um, that we get out of Luke, you know, the possible turn that, that was almost there, the hero moment when he stands up to the Emperor, you know, finally seeing the Emperor unleash his power. It was such, it was such an amazing moment for me as a Star Wars fan to finally see all of this happen on screen. You know, the Battle of Endor, be the Battle of Endor. Everything that's on the Death Star 2 is so fucking great, and I really love this film. This is Lucas's storytelling at its finest. I mean, there's nothing fucking cooler than Luke Skywalker all in fucking black, you know, walking to Jabba's palace with nothing but fucking ice in his veins. I mean, that moment alone, like, makes this, like, movie close to the top of my list. Um, like, just, like, like I said, like, you... You don't know, like, if Luke, what the hell he's been up to. Has he been playing around with the dark side? You know, how did we get this, like, badass version of this character um, who we lost saw, who we last saw, like, you know, defeated um, and just kind of looking lost, you know, on the final sh scenes of uh, Empire. But, I mean, just, I mean, he, he becomes this fully formed hero and you believe that, you know, he could take down the Empire all by himself. But luckily for him, he's got friends. Well, you know, Damon, I do know what he was up to. What was that, Christian? Uh, building his lightsaber, obviously. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. The Empire Strikes Back. I love you. I know. Christian, what I love about this movie, it's like every good second act in any fucking story, it's a tragedy. And, you know, Lucas dares to take us, you know, on this journey with these characters where we get to see them at their worst. Um, you know, where A New Hope is literally just that, you know, you're so full of hope and they're celebrating this great victory. Um, so you get the highest of highs, but then with Empire Strikes Back, we get the lowest of lows. You know, Han's fucking frozen, um, off to Jabba's palace. Luke gets his fucking hand cut off, finds out his fucking dad is this evil Lord Sith. Um, it, it's just a mess. You know, we, you know, we see our heroes at their worst. And like any good story, you know, it sets up these heroes overcoming impossible odds. No, yeah, you said it right. This this film does take this super awesome, you know, that's, that's such a weird phrasing, super awesome tragic story and put it into um, this, you know, Star Wars universe. And, you know, the way that they handled it um, really captured uh, these characters in the darkest elements. Just like you said. And uh, I really do, like, I, I'm, you know me, I'm super into dark stories. 
Um, and that's why this, you know, always edges out just a little bit more. The way that they handled, you know, Luke's uh, discovery of, you know, becoming the son of Vader of, of all things, you know, you, you really, you, you get captured by that moment. You, you really, like, the ba- even the battle before that, the fight, you know, where they're just, there's so much anger and, you know, you really can tell Luke wasn't prepared for this fight. You really can see, you know, how powerful Vader is. You know, it's it's those little things that, you know, ripple throughout the entire film. You know, you have his training in uh, Dagobah earlier on um, and you see him struggling. Um, you know, I love the moment in the cave where he sees himself in Vader. Uh, there's so many great elements to this film. And, you know, it's it's so interesting just how they were able to, you know, build off the success of the first one and continue to make you know, these, these great special effects, these great visuals, um, and, you know, really show the rebellion in such a different way. Like, you know, you see the rebellion at their wits end in the first film, but this time, you know, they're really getting just pounded on by the empire. Um, and, you know, it just really feels hopeless for all these characters. And it really is that great middle piece. I mean, there's a reason why people regard it more than just one of the best sequels of all time or like Star Wars films of all time, but one of the best films of all time. And that's why we're celebrating 40 years later. Before we head out, make sure to head over to DramaCityProductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. Hey, and you've got looking to further support the show go ahead and buy some merch over at t public they have shirts they have sweatshirts i think they have mugs bumper stickers the works man absolutely and you can also head over to prowrestlingtees.com and find our merch there as well yeah while you're at it go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestlers t-shirt all right damon what are we talking about next week all right next week we've got AEW's double or nothing and a whole lot more Hopefully. To be determined. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure some shit will happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nurture. That's no moon. It's a space station. It's too big to be a space station. Very bad feeling about this. Turn the ship around. I think you're right. Full reverse. Chewy lock in the auxiliary power. 